You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners, are you between the ages of 21 and 35, want to go and explore the world, but maybe you need to make some new friends because your old friends are a little bit boring these days? Come and check out under30experiences.com. We have some really amazing local experiences. We're not talking about uh, luxury resort vacations where you just sit and drink margaritas until you pass out and get some sunburn and eat all you can eat meals and do it all over again the next day. This is not that type of vacation. These are adventure trips to places like Bali, Indonesia, the rainforest of Costa Rica, Iceland, the countryside of Ireland, all over the world. And we bring together a bunch of awesome people, not only to have a great time on the trip, of course, but to also bring back a little bit of what they learned to the community, uh, to their local cities. And we get together in about 25 different cities all over the United States and Canada. So if this sounds interesting to you, head on over to under30experiences.com and check it out. We'd love to have you on a trip sometime. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am Matt Wilson, and today we have a very special guest, one who you may have heard of, uh, the notorious Tucker Max, famous, of course, for his number one New York Times bestseller, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, but Tucker has made a little bit of a transition. I think it's easy to say, and uh, he is actually out with a new book uh, about the book writing process. So it's the book in a box method, the new way to quickly and easily write your book, even if you're not a writer. I'm pumped to talk to him uh, because I know a little bit about his stories uh, in the past, and also I am someone with two books that are halfway written and I just can't seem to put the pedal down and finish them. I'm like at the hard part for me, whatever that means. But uh, Tucker, welcome. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Um, so if people aren't familiar with you, I'd love to, uh, to have you just take them through your, your transition. And, you know, you, at one point you were all about posing on the front of your books with a, a random blonde and a beer in your hand, or you locked up in, uh, in the Austin police station, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you made a transformation and you're actually were then helping young men uh, be able to become almost their their best selves, and now you're helping people write books. So I'm curious. You're a family man. So Tucker, could you take us through a little bit of your story? Yeah. So it it was. It may have seemed like overnight to everyone else, but it was definitely not for me. Um, it, honestly, man, it just it's sort of like um, you know when you're 10 years old, you like playing with dolls, and when you're 20, you don't anymore. Sort of the same thing. Like uh, when I was in my 20s, I really liked drinking and hooking up and acting like an idiot. And uh, as I kind of got into my 30s, it just got boring and old and I wanted to do something else, you know. And so I kind of figured out what I wanted to do and went and did it. That, that's cool to, to see your transition, and I know uh, in 2013, you launched a podcast and, you know, in the first six months, yeah, I think you had a couple million downloads and you were helping young men uh, make the transition for themselves or be able to become the kind of the 
best mate, and I am, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm appreciative, I guess I could say, that when you were done with that, you were like, hey, look, I, we've recorded 100 podcasts. I don't know what else you guys want me to say. I'm bored of this. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, what I did, so to, uh, to catch your listeners up, I, I wrote a book called Mate. Um, how to Become the Man Women Want. I wrote it in conjunction with uh, one of the leading evolutionary psychologists in the country, Dr. Jeffrey Miller. And honestly, that was just, it wasn't intended, I think, really ever to be a big long-term thing. It was just, I knew how to how to deal with women and how to get girls in any context, whether you're talking about you want short-term hookups or you want a, a wife or a girlfriend or whatever in between. And um, these are very important skills that pretty much no one teaches to guys. At least the people that teach them for money, like the pickup artists, do a terrible job. And uh, it's criminal uh, how badly we treat our men and how what a bad job we do teaching men in our society how to do the thing that possibly the most important thing on earth to them, which is have relationships with women. And so um, Dr. Miller and I kind of wrote the book, and then we did a podcast to accompany it, and pretty much everything in the book is on the podcast for free. Uh, right, And but once it was like one of those things where if we were going to turn it into a business, we were going to have to just get into the business of repeating ourselves and, um, and then selling information, all that nonsense that comes with that. I just didn't, that wasn't interesting to me. I wanted to create the resource for guys who need to use it, and then I wanted to move on and do something else. No, that's cool. I mean, you leave your your legacy, obviously, uh, in your your college dorm room. I'm sure you left one type of legacy, and then you were able to to leave another uh, that people can then go and, and use as a resource. And now you've transitioned uh, to the book in a box method, which, uh, which you're very clear up front in the first couple chapters of your book. And you say, look, I'm starting a business. One of the reasons that you, you can write a book is to generate leads, right? And I want to help other people who might not be able to afford to pay me to help them write their book, here's how you do it, and you just put that, that information out there, or, or rather, as you, you describe it in your book, the wisdom. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's really cool what you're doing. I, uh, I like it, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. so uh, we, I started a company called Book in a Box, which basically we created a new way to turn ideas into books. And like you said, some, I mean, we're expensive, uh, cost $20,000 to work with us, but the process we use is actually, um, fairly simple. And, um, uh, once it's created, it's simple. It's simple to execute. So we actually wrote a book that explains the exact process we use. And you know, it's like five bucks on Amazon. So even if you can't afford $20,000, you can still, um, you can still walk yourself through the uh, through the process. Yeah. And, and when you say five bucks on Amazon, actually it was two ninety nine on Kindle. I uh, I say I say actually, but I mean that's that's amazing. So I I highly encourage anyone out there who is uh, uh, is interested in becoming an author or has something to say uh, to to check it out. Um, Tucker, I want I wanted to back up just a little bit. You said something that was very interesting to me and you said that uh, we treat our men so poorly and I'm curious uh, as to what you mean that by that because not many people say that. 
Yeah. Um, what I mean is just that um, I feel like uh, if you're a young guy, unless you got lucky and got really good parents or a really good mom or a really good dad that taught you sort of how um, how to sort of operate in the world uh, as a man, um, I feel like uh, our society does a terrible, terrible job teaching this to men. I, listen, I think it's pretty much just as bad with women. It's bad in different ways, although uh, I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you what society does and doesn't do with women because that's just... I don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to talk about something I don't really know directly. But I do know how we treat men. And uh, I, I think we treat both terrible because it all boils down to this. People want to get together. Men and women want to connect and have relationships uh, of all different types, short, medium, long, whatever. And our society does a terrible job teaching people how to do that. Uh, I, I, what's more important than relationships? Nothing. They're really nothing. Not, not money, not work. Not uh, anything. I mean, if you whatever you want to talk about, whether it's meaning or life, in life or purpose or whatever, it all comes from connecting with other people, from relationships with other people. No one has amazingly meaningful life by connecting with things. I guess maybe unless they're autistic, but everyone else wants to connect with people, and um, we don't. No, our society just doesn't teach this at all to anybody. I mean, think how much time you spend in school on, on God, all kinds of things that don't matter. Writing in cursive. Who cares? If you don't know how to talk to somebody and love them and feel uh, deal with guilt and shame and just all the things you have to do in a, in a relationship, what does writing in cursive mean? Nothing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, now, you know, as you've, as you've moved past the, okay, you get to college, and, and so many men and, and women as well can relate. You get to college or you, you know, start drinking in high school or all of a sudden it's like... Uh, you want to you want to connect, but you don't know how, and so going out and getting hammered and talking to girls is really cool, and it helps people it helps people break down that that barrier, and then all of a sudden, you know that that's almost a, it's a hangover, so to speak, to say, okay, now I'm actually looking for a, a real mate. Um, I can't go about it the same. I can't go about it the same way. So I, I'm curious because our podcast is a lot about personal development. Um, I'm curious as to now that you have kids and you're thinking about uh, the future and and parenting and, and education. How can you know? How can parents? What could parents have done differently to like? My dad was a you know. My dad is a cool guy, but he never told me anything about how to act around women. You know what I mean? And only did I pick that up from how he treated my mother. Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious if you could say a little bit about that. Well, um, I think if you don't know the answer, then you need to learn it before you teach it to somebody, <laughs> you know? So like, uh, uh, that's the first step. Uh, what I, believe it or not, um, most Teaching about relationships can, um, I want to say it can be done by showing as opposed to teaching. You know, like, um, I, 
I, like, I don't think I, if I wrote everything down uh, about what I knew about relationships, let, let's say I, I just, I knew everything that my son needed to know. Let's pretend that's true for a second. If I wrote it all down and had a computer deliver it to him as text on the screen, I'm not sure how much he would actually learn. Uh, uh, the first foremost thing I have to do if I'm going to teach my son about relationships is I have to have a good relationship with him. And most of that comes from me because I am the parent and he is the child. And in a parent-child relationship that begins with um, a deep uh, sort of acceptance and a deep caring and a deep desire to meet the needs uh, uh, of, the, of the child. Uh, 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 and most people, I think, don't even start with that. Not because that they're bad people or whatever, but probably, first off, because they never had it modeled for them, right? And, uh, and so if you didn't have good parents that did that for you, then you've got to make – first off, you need to recognize that to yourself. And most people don't ever want to recognize that they had bad parents or, or parents who didn't uh, really kind of uh, deal with them very well. Then you've got to figure out, okay, I'm going to fix it. Right? Then you've got to go through that work, which is really hard. And then you've got to kind of model it with your child. And it's all really, really, really hard. Uh, and most people just won't go through that. Most people just repeat whatever was done to them, unthinkingly and mindlessly. And of course, they think they don't, but that's what they do. So uh, before I even teach anything to my son, and, and actually I should include, um, uh, I know this isn't possible for everybody, but... Um, Probably the best decision I made uh, in terms of teaching my son relationships was that I married an amazing woman and, and had, you know, his mother's an amazing woman and we have a great relationship. So he's growing up, he's a year and a half old now, he's growing up in a, a world where the two, his two primary caregivers have a great relationship with each other and they both independently have a very good relationship with him, right? Which means for a child under two years old, it essentially means, it doesn't mean spoiling it or indulging it, but it means uh, loving it, connecting with it, accepting it, uh, and meeting all its needs, while at the same time, you know, like um, uh, protecting it and those sorts of things, right? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense, and, and just leading by example, and especially at that age, you know, you, they say you learn you know, 90% of the things that you're ever going to learn in your first few years of no, Emotionally, not intellectually. You don't learn any of your facts, but absolutely. What happens is you learn your emotional orientation to the world. Absolutely. Sure. In your first two years. Yeah. Sure. And uh, I wanted to ask you before we get into to some other stuff uh, down the line, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned... Uh, getting past guilt and shame. And if you grew up in a household where people felt guilty about the things that they were doing or people felt ashamed or people didn't know how to process their emotions and, uh, and it, it's easy to pick that up. And so I'm curious as to how you helped people get past those two things. Uh, quite honestly, I'm not sure I'm a great expert at those things. At those two specific tasks. Okay. And, and the reason why uh, is because uh, shame, I don't think shame has ever been a major issue for me in my life. Um, uh, guilt and shame so much. Maybe. I, dude, I could be wrong about this, man. Like, um, uh, but so let's talk first off about the difference between these two. Shame is thinking you're bad, 
Guilt is feeling like you did something bad. Sure. Right? So, so they're very different. And people put them together a lot, but they are not the same thing. Feeling guilty, especially if you did something bad, is actually very healthy emotionally. But feeling ashamed of yourself for doing something bad um, or for doing uh, something is an entirely different thing. Because now you're attaching your identity to an act, right? Like uh, kind of the classic example is like, uh, like Catholics with masturbation, let's say, right? Sure. The, the basic uh, idea for Catholicism is if you masturbate, it doesn't mean it's not the act is bad. It's you are bad. Right. That's where that shame comes from. And so like uh, for people that have those issues, generally speaking, um, the what you need to do is work through them, usually with professional help. Like that's not something you're going to figure out. You might identify through a podcast. Oh, wow. Wow. I do have that issue. But um, you're not going to this isn't like a a, a life hack type thing. You need to 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 get uh, uh, talk therapy. Um, and you need to um, work through those in the context of a mental health professional who's trained to do this and who is loving and supportive. Essentially what you have to do, and it's going to sound a little bit weird if you don't understand psychology, but what you've got to do is essentially um, reparent yourself through that one specific phase. And I'm not going to say it's impossible to do that yourself, but I- I've never seen anyone just do that themselves. Shame and, and shame especially is a guilt uh, based emotional issue and you don't resolve, I'm sorry, is an, uh, an emotional issue and you don't resolve a, a, a connection issue, sorry. Uh, shame is a connection issue and you don't resolve connection issues without a connection. So it's hard to do that yourself. It doesn't mean you have to go, like let's say you had a dad who made you feel ashamed of yourself. It doesn't mean you have to go do it with your dad. But it's got to be done uh, with someone else. Sure, a- a- absolutely, and you can, uh, yeah. There, there's plenty to that. Plenty of steps that people can go through on that topic, and and books keep, people can read, et cetera. Because I know a lot of the barrier to just getting in the office of a psychology is that guilt shame. and shame. You know exactly. what I mean? They yeah. feel like, oh uh-huh. shit, I have to have. a... I have this problem, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, no, I appreciate your, your, your take on that. And, um, I, I'm curious because, you know, way, how you got your start, uh, every, you know, men basically, you were able to tell these stories and they were celebrated among your, your buddies. I think you started them probably on an email chain or something like that is, is what I read or, or, heard something the legend goes let's say right and so you know those things are celebrated i'm sure you've been asked this many times but uh now you know you seem to be pretty cool with it you're like well that was that i got bored of that um and you say you're not the best expert did did just kind of getting that out the the writing of it just be like all right this is this is what happened. It was cool. I celebrated it, and now I'm going to move on. Was that almost like how you got past that stuff? No, uh, that I mean that's the start. Maybe the way I dealt with my issues. Um, well, the, the first step is always recognizing you have them, which was the longest, hardest thing for me. Admitting to myself that I had problems. The vast majority of people um, don't do that. And there's a lot of ways to defend against that. For me, I, I just blamed other people for everything. And intellectually, of course, I didn't. 
but emotionally, deep down, I really did. And so the first step for me was actually failing. And then, of course, I blamed my failure and every, all my failures on everyone else and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, then I had to really kind of eventually recognize it wasn't. You know, I, like I, I fixed everything externally, amazing shape, money, all these things, and still wasn't. I mean, I was happier than when I was poor and broke and whatever, but I still wasn't happy. And I had to realize, all right, man, if I've fixed everything, if I have all the external accoutrements of an amazing life and I don't feel amazing, it's got to be something inside me. And so then you have to decide to go get help, which is a really hard thing to do um, for most people. It took me, God, so long. First to admit, then to, once I admitted, decide I need to go get help, to essentially ask for help. Then, um, then you kind of have to pick the modality of help you want, like the type. You know, like uh, I, I started with talk therapy, with psychoanalysis, which is a form of talk therapy. It's not the only way to do it. I mean, I think the reason yoga is so popular is because it is a form of therapy light. So a lot of people can feel like they're making emotional, spiritual progress, even though they probably really aren't. Um, uh, that's sort of why uh, it's so popular. Same with why uh, reason why everyone's so into mindfulness now instead of meditation. Because meditation you kind of can't fake, but mindfulness you can. And so, um, so a lot of I, I think um, you've got to really pick a modality that actually works, and you've got to engage it. So psychoanalysis for me was no joke. It's four days a week, and I was in for four years. Wow. Uh, and then I paired it up with um, with meditation. Uh, towards the end, which really helps because those are kind of totally opposite ways to approach the same problem. And those two things really helped me a lot. Um, and then here's the thing, man, is almost every emotional problem boils down to a problem of connection. You have a problem connecting with other people. Uh, either you're not connecting with the people you want or you're not connecting well with the people you want or there's friction, or what, there's some issue with your connection. And so then, once you kind of fix your issues, then you've got to start connecting with people deeply, not just like, you know, in the comments on Reddit or something. <laughs> and so uh, that means like real relationships, real friends, real whatever. And so then, for me, um, uh, uh, once I kind of got in, then it was really about, uh, for me, it was really finding um, a serious relationship, right? Um, and and I, that's the funny thing is like people are always like, oh, did your wife change you? I'm like, no, I had to, I had to go through most of the hard parts of change before I was even ready to meet my wife. Once I did that, then I kind of had to put myself in a different position in life and I had to go looking for something else. Then I met my wife, and then um, we were both in a very similar position in life, uh, even though she's ten years younger than me. Um, we were both about the similar emotional maturity, and now we've we've changed and grown an immense amount together. But um, I had to even get to the point where um, where I could meet her, you know. And then and and then I would say still most of what came before was understanding the problem and getting the tools to fix the problems, and just starting to work on them. What's come since I've met my wife is. Um, deep work on the problems because I can do it now in a situation where I have, I'm deeply connected to somebody and I have, um, a meaningful relationship within which, 
uh, to kind of lean, I can lean on somebody else and she can lean on me and, and et cetera, where you can't really, if you're talking about deep emotional work, you can't, I have amazing friends. You can't really do that with friends. Uh, maybe if you have one or two amazing friends, they can kind of help you be part of your journey, but it's not the same thing. You yeah, know? You, you have uh, to really know your, know yourself, uh, in, right. in that case and have someone that you can tell everything to. Um, Tucker, I'm really excited that you, uh, mentioned meditation. It's something that we, we talk about a lot on the podcast and, uh, you know, I don't think, I think it's probably a curveball for a lot of people, uh, you know, who just know you as the, I hope they serve beer in hell guy. Uh, so I'm curious as to how you got into it or what, what type of meditation that, that you do. So I, I, I'm going to give, uh, the, like kind of the really pompous, uh, answer about meditation. Sure. I actually learned, to me- I, I don't think I do a specific style because I learned to meditate from the Buddha. Like, not literally, obviously. He's been dead for more than a few thousand years. But um, uh, I think the Buddha's original writings uh, or teachings, I guess, because other people wrote them down, his original teachings were very clear about how to meditate. And everything else I looked into seemed like commentary or added stuff that just didn't seem necessary to me. I I am not a meditation expert, so I could be way off, obviously. But... um, to me, the Buddhist teachings were very clear. You sit, lotus position, back straight, you know, close or basically close your eyes, focus on your breath, uh, let whatever comes come, recognize your thoughts, accept them for what they are, investigate them, uh, have no judgment on them, and uh, when you're able, refocus back on your breath. And... Um, like, uh, I just keep it that simple, man. Yeah. And, and, I try, and I try to do 20 minutes a day, you know, basically because of the Buddhist saying uh, you should meditate for 20 minutes a day. And if you can't find time, you should meditate for an hour a day. So I don't want to meditate for an hour. So I meditate for 20 minutes. Um, and, uh, and, and here's the thing, man. People, it's really fucking hard to meditate. To do it right uh, is re- it's really simple to understand and really hard to do. Because um, all the things you don't, all the things you're running from in your life, uh, you can't hide from them when you're meditating. If you're doing it right, they come. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. And whatever pops up, you just have to learn to to let that go. So I can see how that, you know, is obviously a great uh, is something that. What if you're going through through psychotherapy or something like that? That okay, well here's the here's the test. It's almost like your uh, your homework, your exam. All right, you go through the all the talking it out stuff. Well, here's uh, he, here's where you get to test what pops up if you can if you can let it go and if you can't, don't judge it and that's okay too. So that's uh, that's awesome um, and so then you you know you continued your your transition to get down to the line where, where you are today, um, and you decided that you wanted to actually be an entrepreneur and not just write books. Uh, obviously, you were, you were past the, you're an amazing storyteller, but your stories were probably a little bit different. So um, how did you come along the realization that, okay, I want to start uh, a business doing this because not everybody who is a great craftsman, who is a great writer, who is a great artist can then transition into running a business. 
Yeah, I'm not very good at running a business, just so you're clear. Like, okay. I, I, I hire people who are. Okay. Um, and and I, I leave them alone or I try to. What, I, what I'm good at is, um, is kind of seeing, and I'm not even that good at it. I guess I'm just better than other people. Uh, I'm good at seeing things that could be that aren't. And a lot, when that matches up with a real problem that a lot of people have, then you have a business. You know, when, when you create a solution that solves a real problem, when you, you uh, that, that's, and I, I've created a lot of, I've done a lot of solutions that don't solve any real problems. That's not a business. Or a lot of solutions are things that are clever or cool, not a business. But when it solves a problem that's valuable to people, that's a business. And, and, and Book in a Box kind of fell into my lap, dude. I, I was at an entrepreneur dinner and this woman asked me, how do I get a book written you know, how do I get this book out of my head without having to sit down and spend a year writing it? She's like, you know, I run a business. I don't have time to, to go through the traditional process. And I told her there's no way to write a book without writing it. And she called me out and was like, well, why are you an entrepreneur dinner? You're supposed to be here to help me solve my problems, not <laughs> lecture me about the way things are. And I was like, all right, all right, I guess uh, she's right. So um, I got together with my buddy, Zach, and we kind of cobbled together this process. Um, and I didn't think it was going to work. And we tested it with her, and it worked. It worked amazingly well. We got uh, an incredible book out of her. And, uh, and it was all her words or her ideas, her voice. We just created the process to get it out. It wasn't ghostwriting. You know, ghostwriting is like, I mean, I could easily sit down and write a book for her. That's a totally different thing. It had to be her words and her ideas. And so it worked, and then um, I ended up, I was on a podcast, and I was talking about this just randomly, and um, we ended up selling $200,000 worth of these packages, and we weren't really even offering this as a business, man. It was like people just kept coming to us, cutting checks to, you, to get this service. And I was like, Zach, when people are paying you for something you weren't trying to sell, that is the definition of product market fit. That is the definition of a business. We need to do this. And, uh, and he's like, all right, cool, let's do it. Uh, and so now that was about 18 months ago. And um, yeah, we are, um, we've done about three and a half, four million in revenue. We've done about 250-ish books, something like that. Uh, and it's, it's doing amazing. Well, that's awesome, and it's a, obviously a testament to when you put yourself out there, right? When you, if you never started writing those stories in the beginning, you know, you would never have come along, come along to where you're getting invited on podcasts and start chatting about things and 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 cool opportunities come your way. But you know, then you know, not only did you put yourself out there, you recognized, all right, people are people are approaching me. Well, let's let's see what we can do here. So so that's awesome. And uh, as someone who has two half-written books, but I spend almost all of my time uh, marketing my travel business. We have a, a business for for young people who want to travel, North American travelers who are usually stuck at their desk who want to go on on short adventure trips to connect with all other people. I mean, that's what I spend most of my time doing. I live in Costa Rica. We have trips going on in Iceland right now. I'm going to Peru next year, or next year, next week. <laughs> How the hell am I going to ever finish these two books? So I'd, I'd love if you could take me uh, a little bit through the process. Yeah, of course. So um, it, it, it's in the book. It's really actually fairly simple to understand. So 
Um, the problem with most authors is they don't actually know how to construct a book. They have a good book idea in their head, but they don't know how to, or a good idea for a book in their head, but they don't know how to turn it into a book because a book has its own structure, its own format. It's got to be done a certain way to, to work as a book. So um, what we do is we essentially cre- we create an algorithmic process where you can use questions to, to, to get answers out that essentially fill in the structure of the book, right? And you just do it sort of piece by piece. Um, so, for example, the first step is what's called positioning, right? So that means understanding not only what your book is going to be about, but where it fits in the market and, and what angle it's going to take. And the way you do that is you answer three questions. The first question is, what result must this book get for, for it to be a success, right? Not what do you wish it would do. Like I, everyone wants their books to sell a million copies. But if you, if you say the book must sell a million copies to be a success, you shouldn't do a book because like 10 people a year sell a million copies, right? Sure. That's basically saying you want, that winning the lottery is your, um, is your success plan, right? Right. But, but say for someone like you, if you want to do a book to promote your business, then um, what it must do is it's got to get you, let's say, 10 clients or 100 clients or whatever. Some, some sort of measurable impact where you understand, all right, at that point, it's sort of worth my time or my money, depending on how you're doing it. Um, and then this, the next step, the next question you need to answer is what audience do I have to reach for, with this book in order uh, – oh, yeah, what audience do I have to reach in order for this book to get that result? So let's say for you, if you're marketing your travel business, the audience you need to reach are the people who would use your travel business, right? Like if it's students or if it's young professionals or whoever it is, right? It's just the people who would use um, your business. And then the third question you need to answer is, what do I have to say that is interesting and valuable to that audience? So considering you run a travel business, there's probably quite a bit you could say and teach uh, that is very interesting and valuable to um, whoever your audience for your business is, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it might not actually be one book. It might be a series of books. But that's the next step is to figure out everything you have to say. Then you can kind of figure out, all right, uh, I can either put it all in the one book. I can put it in the multiple books, whatever, depending on, on the rest, how it fits into the rest of your marketing strategy. So, but running through those three questions, and sometimes you have to go back and forth. Like sometimes, like once you realize you don't have anything to say to the audience you need to reach to achieve your result, you got to change the result so you can appeal to maybe a more niche audience that you actually do have something to say to. Um, then once you do that, that gets you essentially your, the positioning of your book. What is exactly your book going to be about and who is it framed towards? Then from there, uh, you, you got to create a structure. And the structure, the, there's a lot of ways to create a structure. The generally, the best way that most authors do it, or that we kind of advise our authors to do it, or that we use with our authors, is to imagine you are sitting with uh, the person in your audience that you identified. And they are interested in your, uh, your topic, but they don't know anything. What would you tell them so they could get every, so they could get what they want? Right. So in your case, if I'm like a whatever, a 25 year old and I want to travel the world, let's say that's your audience. Right. Yeah. What 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 do I, um, I'm interested in this. You can tell me how to travel the world for under 50 bucks a day, let's say, or whatever the specific book is about. Then I'm like, OK, great. 
what are the steps? What do I have to know? Walk me through it. So if there's like 10 major things, then that's the structure, those 10 chapters, right? Um, it, you basically want to figure out like what are all, not every single piece of information they have to know, but what are the major, if I could only say it in, if I only had 20 minutes to go over the high level stuff, how would I do it? What would it say? That's the structure of your outline. Then, then what you want to do is, because our method is not actually writing, you want to fill the outline in with the basic points you're going to hit. Each, each piece of structure, okay, here's the stories I want to tell to explain this. Here's, what, here's the information I want to tell them, the tactics I need to use, the stories I want to tell, uh, examples I want to give. Then that be, basically becomes your outline. And all the templates, all this stuff is in our book. Like this, Not just the instructions, but the actual templates that we use. Uh, with full outlines finished, so you can see what they look like and everything. Um, so then that gives you the outline. Now, off of the outline, again, instead of sitting down to type all this out, because it doesn't make sense that you need to type out your ideas. Once you, you have them in your head, you can talk about them, right? It's much easier and quicker to talk. So what you do is the best thing to do is to get someone to use the outline as a guide to interview you and get everything out of your head, almost like this podcast. You can do that alone if you want, but we highly recommend that you have someone interview you because conversation is far more natural and it gets better content out of you. And if the person is intelligent, then they're going to ask you a lot of questions to understand it, right? Because if they don't know what you're talking about, but they want to know, then they're going to keep asking you questions until you explain it. And the problem with most experts is that they... Um, have forgotten what it's almost like to be a novice, and so they don't know how to explain things in a way that a beginner can understand. So you get a beginner to interview you using the structure of the outline. You record that entire interview. For us and our clients, it usually takes about eight to ten hours, so usually, obviously not all at one shot. That's four to five calls. And uh, we get that transcribed. Then from that transcription, uh, we have our editors do it, but you can do this yourself. You can work off the transcription, and it's already in the right structure because you've used the outline as your guide to go down through the book. You now want to translate that into book prose. So you don't just edit transcript because this, a transcript of the spoken word does not read well on the page. What you need to do is actually rewrite it into prose, right? Um, the way that people speak and understand speech is cognitively totally different than the way they read and understand text. So you've got to essentially put it, it's almost like putting it into a new language, but same content, same ideas, same voice. You're just translating it into something, into a different medium. Then from there, the way we edit is really smart, and I recommend most people do this. You uh, read your book out loud again, which I know sounds crazy, right? It's like I just read it. Uh, uh, to, to record it. No, 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 because here's how this works. When you read your writing out loud, if it sounds good to the ear, it, it always reads well on the page. If it doesn't sound good to the ear, then it probably is going to be very difficult to read. So reading it out loud is a sort of a way of testing the writing, of editing it without having to dive into the document, right? Uh, and from there, uh, that's basically the, the, you have a finished draft and then, the, then you have to go through the rest of the publishing process, you know, and publishing and distribution. So book cover, interior design, all that kind of stuff. That, that's awesome. And, and do you go through that 
part of it with them, like the, the actual, uh, yeah, I'm sure you probably can see we, it from we do, start to yeah. finish. So we, we charge 20 grand and that's everything. That's, we take you from idea to published, distributed, finished book. Okay. Yeah. And then do you, um, do you work with both self-publishers and people who uh, want to go through and get a book deal and, and make the New York yeah. Times bestseller no. list? Of course, we have a bunch of people who have uh, traditional book deals who use us, uh, use our process, and use us to, to do the manuscript. Oh, absolutely. Okay, and do you do you help people get those book deals, or you point them in the right direction? Um, so we don't actually advertise this, uh, um, but for certain clients, we can absolutely connect them with agents. We can even help them write proposals. We don't offer that as a service, though. Um, basically we have to decide we're going to do that with somebody because the reality is most people don't have a book that publishers are going to be interested in, you know, like, like your book, let's say, um, depending on how you frame it, travel books can be popular, but, uh, depending on what angle you want to take, it might not be interesting to publishers, but it could be extremely valuable to you. You know, if you take a, a good angle, you could end up doing tens or hundreds or maybe even millions of dollars of business. Um, exactly. The right book, but the, some, the, but it may not sell a lot of copies. Exactly. A publisher book that's going to sell copies, but uh, if you have a business or you're a consultant or a coach, you want a book that's going to get you clients, which are not the same thing. Right. No, 100%. Um, and you go through in the beginning of your book, hey, here are the ways that you can – uh, or here are the reasons that you should write a book and uh, you should be picking one. And, and a, a big one, of course, is, all right, if you want to generate leads for yourself, sure, being world famous is one thing. But as you said, it's like hitting the lottery and then you have to start writing for mass appeal. Um, I, I'm not sure, Tucker, if you, you know, people probably come to you with like, hey, I have this book in mind, um, and then you make them start from scratch, or, or I'll just give you my, my example. So I have so two books. One is my travel memoirs. This, you know, just this, the crazy stories that I have from, I don't know, taking buses all through Central America and sleeping in the, the murder, murder capital of the word, world, San Pedro Sula, Honduras, and, and that kind of thing, right? Which, you know, maybe millions of people want to read, Maybe not. I'm not sure. And, and kind of the underlying tone is what I've learned from these things. Uh, yeah, what I've learned from these things and how they've helped me be more present and appreciate life, et cetera. And, uh, but the other one that I have is probably more mainstream, right? And the, uh, the travel stories, they're always still writing themselves. So I'm in no hurry to get that out at least, but I'm you know, I have my travel blog that I that I keep up with. Um, but then the more mainstream idea that I have is, you know, just named after the podcast, Live Different. And it's basically the, the frustrations that I've felt with going to school, getting a job, getting into debt, um, you know, going to, you know, being the, the American dream, the promise, and uh, what society kind of forces us into doing, and I probably have 10 or 12 really good points about, um, you know, just home ownership and, uh, again, college debt and how we're supposed to work all our life to then be able to, um, 
uh, work all her life to be able to then travel well. You know, there's a lot, a lot of different ways that you can do. It. I mean, live different is the, the name of the podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. Do you take people who have ideas already and then say, all right, let me adjust them, or hey, this already sounds, you know, Dude, this already I mean, sounds. Uh, of course we do. How, how could we work with someone who didn't have an idea? Our process doesn't work if you don't have a book in you. Sure. Like we're not, we don't do ghostwriting. Sure. So like, uh, if you don't have the knowledge in you to do the book, it doesn't work. Now, wh- uh, what, if you're not sure what your book idea is or you're not confident in it or maybe you think you have it, whatever, but, but you're, you're not sure, our process is, works really well. I mean, I described the positioning process. That's literally the first step of the process. Yeah. And uh, um, you don't have to know precisely what you want to write about, or you can know precisely what you want to write about. Either way, we still actually run you through the same process uh, uh, to make sure it's right or to refine it and figure and, and hone in on what the, the right thing would be. Sure, yeah. And I always, to be honest, I always feel with positioning – there are the things that I really like to talk about and that I've really um, worked hard in my life to be able to overcome, like to be able to, to create my own path and create a business and not have to get a job, et cetera, right? But, you know, for the podcast, for example, yeah, everybody, you know, what's the positioning of the podcast? If I really was just trying to drive leads to the travel business, well, then I would just go out and, and interview travelers, travel bloggers and adventurers and people like that um, and, and just talk about travel nonstop. But I feel like uh, personally I'm more than, uh, you know, I want to stand for more than that, which isn't the best business, hey, I'm going to drive leads through this book, um, but hey, these are the things that I feel passionate about. I want to be able to help inspire other people to, to do these things. Um, so yeah, sometimes I feel like I have mixed mixed messaging when I'm talking about health and fitness where I should just be talking about travel all the time and focus 100% on that. Well, the, the, it sounds to me that you're falling into the same problem that a lot of authors fall into, um, which is the you're, tr- you, you're not writing a book. Here's the thing. Uh, if you want to write a book for yourself, you're absolutely welcome to, but it's called a diary and there's no reason to publish it. Right. If you're going to write a book uh, uh, that you publish, then you need to know very clearly who the book is for and what they're going to take out of it. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. And the vast majority of authors, the reason they're writing books is ultimately therapy for themselves. They're too embarrassed or shy or ashamed to go into therapy and so or they want validation or it's some narcissistic ego feeding thing. And so we get so many people who come at us like that and um you know uh, uh it, the two things can combine uh, no doubt. The problem is you you can't have both at the same time, you know? If you, here's the thing. If you a, a great book that is about the audience that really helps them will end up getting you a lot of the other things that people exactly. want, right? But the problem is everyone starts with what they want and who they are, and that's the always, always, always the wrong place to start a book. And that's really what's so valuable about our process is that we force people to go back and think through how exactly – who is this book going to talk to and how is it going to help them? Because if you cannot answer those questions, you, uh, the book is going to fail. 
Exactly, and that's why I started to ask, well, hey, I already have these book ideas, uh, and I kind of already know that maybe that, you know, this isn't the number one best business move, but this is the thing that I help, that, that I think will help the most people get through this funny transition point in their life, which our business is actually, that's what it's really about. You know, it's really not about bringing people to Costa Rica or to Iceland. It's really about so having a community and supporting uh, the people who are in this 21 to 35 year old gap where it's like, all right, I'm not in school anymore. What's my path now? What if I don't want to just be chained to my desk for the next 30 years? Uh, what if I do want to, you know, have a real connection with, with other people and, and be able to go out and travel and, and do things differently than uh, our parents did? And so, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that you say, hey, who is this going to help? And then, yeah, tr the clients will, will come and that's how we've always taken it. Um, that's why I do the podcast when it's not just all about travel or that's why I, you know, write random stuff on Facebook that I know is going to gonna help people just from my experiences. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially anybody listening that uh, that you don't just say, hey, you know, this could have stayed in my diary and not been some narcissistic thing. So um, I I'm glad that you vet what is the purpose of people writing this. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Tucker. Yeah, of course, man. That's uh, that's cool. So I, I wanted to before we we really wrap up. Um, I wanted to just uh, ask you if there was um, any just advice to people who were trying to write a book for the first time. Um, obviously, you've gone through the actual steps in doing it, but do you? Do you just have any over, overall advice where people might have this book that they locked in their, in their uh, desk drawer somewhere or on their hard drive that, they're, that they might be embarrassed to put out? What would you say to those people? Advice to people who've already written a book? Or who have that book idea, who have that, as you say, wisdom right, that they should be putting on paper, and that's the magic of being able to, to write a book, right, is to get that out there so other people can learn from it. So what would you say to those people who are hiding something from the world that they need to put out there? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's sort of it. If you actually know something that other people find valuable, um, why are you not sharing it with them? Like, why would you not? <laughs> sure, sure. No, Tucker, that's, uh, that's, that's it, plain and simple. Um, no, man, I, I appreciate it. You got the book in the box, Method 299 on Kindle. If you, can't, uh, if you can't afford Tucker fees, we'll then get that and, uh, and get it started. I appreciate it. Anywhere else that they can find more out about you, Tucker? Uh, that's pretty much it. Or you can go to uh, sort of my site, tuckermax.me, but that's not really about book in a box. Now, but we'll, uh, we'll link it up. Uh, the, we'll link up the show notes on under30co.com. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you spending some time. Cool, man. Thanks, dude. Hey, did you like today's episode? If you did, log on to iTunes and leave us a review. It would really help us out. We try to put out good, free content all of the time. Check out the show notes on under30co.com. Send the podcast to a friend who could use some of the advice. And, of course, if you want to travel with us, check out under30experiences.com and 50% off Athletic Greens 
on the show notes. Thanks for listening.